This is Beckett Millhaven, just saying, I am Tom Beckett. I'm McGraw Millhaven, and welcome once again to our lovely podcast. Yeah, yeah. thanks for joining us. Subscribe, like, spread the word, tell your friends. Uh, This thing is growing. People people seem to like what we do Um, for some unknown reason. Yes, and we're also so popular... As program director, I was able to get us on the Big 550 KTRS on Thursday nights. That's right. We are multifaceted here. We are available online at any time you want, wherever you get your podcast. And what is it, Thursday nights? Thursday nights. On the Big 550 KTRS in the St. Louis area. We ought to get get this on more stations. We'll see if we can syndicate this podcast. Well, that means I'd have to be program director for more stations, because that's the only way we can get it on. (laughs) Speaking about being program director, this this is what you call in the biz a segue. So I'm listening to your radio show this morning, and I hear you talking about how cars are getting rid of AM radio, yeah, and 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 how uh, AM radio is in danger of just going away. Well, it's not in danger of going away; it's going away from cars. Well, yeah, but ninety nine percent of the listenership is in cars. Well, I don't know about that. A lot of people listen online. I mean, a lot of people listen online. Yeah, but then that's but yeah, but that's AM. You were talking about the benefit of the AM signal. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, and, and that. So when they're, yeah, you know, they're, they're listening. They're in their cars, and if uh, if they're not, I mean, I guess they could listen because I listen in my car to your show. But I listen because you know I live, what is it, about eight hundred miles away or whatever. Yeah, but you uh, listen on the app though. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. So so what were your thoughts on this? Because I I heard you talking about the benefits that um, AM radio provide. But then as I'm thinking about it, I know that in so many cities now, these big corporations have completely decimated their news departments. They've they've decimated their staff so that if there is an emergency, there, there, been, there have been cases of this happening where there'd be a tornado or a, a train derailment or something, and there's nobody at the station to let the people know what's going on. I mean, this is a real, that to me is a bigger danger than taking AM out of the cars is the lack of personnel that so many of these radio stations have. So oh, you cut out there for a second. Can you hear me now? Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. All right. So, so I would, uh, uh, by the way, um, you're right about that. Remember that Vegas shooting? Yeah. A couple of years ago, Las Vegas radio company didn't even have anybody there to cover it. So believe it or not, they had people in St. Louis cover the mass shooting in Las Vegas. Think about how pathetic that was. So while I agree with you that there is a massive problem when it comes to these corporations and the way they're running these radio stations, AM radio is really the last line of defense when it comes to all these things because the FM stations are programmed in New York and Philadelphia and no one's in them. There's nobody even exists. It's somebody... In a, in, a, in a completely different town who's just putting a playlist together and sending it to a to a computer who then is putting it out on the radio. AM radio stations, and yes, there are some that are woefully uh, poorly run, but uh, rural America, there's a whole bunch of radio stations oh. that have a whole bunch of morning shows. That's how they get their, you know, we laugh about the bowling scores, but they talk about Aunt, Aunt Mildred's, you know, apple pie winning the, you know, blue ribbon at the at the festival. All of those things are part of the fabric of the community. I don't disagree with you as far as historically what you're saying about AM radio. 
And I also agree that when you get to some of these rural areas, that, that may be their only uh, lifeline to an outside world in many cases. So I, you know, I agree with you on that. On that. But what I'm saying is that the the staffing and the and the product has been diminished over the years. I mean, I heard you talking about some of the things that we had done over the years with tornadoes and other emergencies that had happened. Uh, you know, uh, when we worked together here in Omaha, and and that and. That staff isn't there anymore. The staff that we had back in the day isn't there anymore. Yes, but there is, staff, a there is a staff at that radio station. What? There is a staff at that radio station. It's a tenth of what it was before. Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody could compare to you and me at a radio station. Oh, that's either. true. But they have. They, but they've gotten rid of their news department. There's not. A, there's not a news person on staff. Really? They don't have. They don't have local news. They have, oh, they have local news, but it's coming out of a station out of out of something probably out of Des Moines or somewhere else. Uh, you know, it's coming out. They don't have actual reporters that show up at events. Yeah, yeah. well, that's a whole that's a whole other issue. But but you're really going to be trouble if uh, you know somebody called up and said they were in Katrina and all the power lines went down, all the internets went down. The only thing they had was AM radio, and yeah. so you know, and, and and you think, oh, Katrina, how often does that happen? You've got tornadoes and, you know, stuff like this happening all the time. Bad weather events. Um, I mean, that stuff happens, unfortunately, more often than it should. But you got to have some lifeline out there. Well, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I guess I'm, what I'm my problem is, is that I wonder if that if that. Um, but, uh, I mean, I mean, I think the, but I think the bigger point is this, is that, you know, KTRS radio, let's just take KTRS radio. You know, we've got uh, we're a big enough radio station where we have a large following online. We have a large following on the app. Um, you know, you can plug in your phone to your car and your app shows up on the screen and you can hit it. So we're fine. But what happens is what happens when the Internet goes down? Look, look, look. Yeah, that's the problem. It's the AM signal itself. Look, McGraw. OK, first of all, uh, and I've told you this, I've told other people this. KTRS is what AM radio should be. You've got local people on the air from what, like five in the morning to 10 at night? Five to midnight. Five to midnight. You have local people there, local announcers talking about what is happening in your community in St. Louis. And it's not all just, you know, uh, Republicans are great, Democrats suck. Like, you know, so much of AM radio is these days. It, you know, you are involved in the community. You guys are doing it right. And you're making money doing it. I wish... I wish these big corporations would look at what you guys are doing as a model and and, and make that happen, you know, but they, they, they don't. So, so yeah, when you talk about KTRS in the, because I've worked, you haven't really worked for any corporate radio stations. I have. And I've seen what, you know, the corporations have done. And it ain't pretty. And so what your, 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 your station, which I agree, is doing it, I think, the way that it should be done. Uh, is uh, the exception and not the rule. Well, I do know that I have worked for large corporations. Um, I was told, here's the door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't ever come but, back. No, yeah, but, oh. wait, wait, but uh, hold on. You worked for a large corporation 20 years ago. That's true. Yeah, so it's you're, changed. You're getting old. Um, yes, well, that same company is now, stock is at 10 cents, and they're getting ready to declare bankruptcy. So, yeah. Who's doing better, the big giant corporation or the little mighty KTRS? Uh, the mighty KTRS. You so. bet. Yeah. What and else you talk about? Oh well, you know what? Okay, so I was watching 
Saturday Night Live last week. And uh, the Weekend Update, I still think, you know, say what you will about Saturday Night Live. I still think Weekend Update with Michael Che and Colin Jost is, you know, must-see TV. You know, and I, I do watch it most mornings. I watch it uh, Sunday morning online. But um, uh, but but as uh, I was up Saturday night, just at home, laying on the couch, I watched it live. And I got they were going over all these news stories from what had happened in the past week. And I was just sitting there like with my mouth open going, oh my God, that, that happened, that's right, that just happened last Tuesday. It <laughs> seems like it happened, you know, a year and a half ago. You know, I mean, going over this, you know, with the Trump indictment and this and that, the other thing, going over all this stuff, it was just like, it just blew my mind. <laughs> you know, because it's like, oh yeah, that just happened three days ago. I thought it happened three months ago. Um, well, <laughs> the last number of years, you have crazy weeks on top of crazy weeks, but then you have a week where, uh, you know, Donald Trump, former president, is indicted. Um, you think to yourself, you're like, whoa, that that might be the week of all weeks. But we've become desensitized to it all. It's happening so fast and so furious. We're 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 taking the news out of a fire hose. You just can't you can't grasp one and four more come flying out at you. And and you and I, it's our job to be focusing on this stuff. I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, it's our job to be, you know, paying attention to all the news and, and that, which indeed will indeed uh, drive, drive you crazy. Now, do you think Michael Che and Colin Jost are the best weekend updates ever or just really good at what they do? I never have a best list. You know, people say, what, what's your favorite restaurant? What's your favorite band? Your favorite movie? All that. And I don't have any. I like things I like better than others. I would say they are. They are definitely among the best. Um, uh, I don't know that uh, you know, you know, you, you take the old Dan Aykroyd, Jane Curtin era. That was that was great. Uh, you know what um, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler did was was, was very good. Uh, but I just think that the Michael Che and um, uh, Colin Jost uh, era of Saturday Night Live is uh, is among the best. I like Dennis Miller. I always like Dennis Miller. Miller was Miller was good, and I come to appreciate. Uh, Norm McDonald, I didn't really appreciate him while he was alive, you know, doing it. But after he died, I just started going on a rabbit hole of YouTube videos of him doing weekend updates. And he was pretty damn good, too. Well, I think what's interesting, and I don't know if this is me or time or whatever, but it seems like um, the Saturday Night Live crews, the um, the uh, um the uh, Conan O'Briens, the Adam Sandlers, the um, uh, who uh, the John Mulvaney guys, um, they just seem to be talking more and more open about the 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 behind the scenes. And I had no idea that Norm McDonald, though, was told no more O.J. Simpson jokes, and then he just kept on. On all the OJ Simpson jokes. I didn't know he was fired for that. I didn't know Adam Sandler was fired from Saturday Night Live. I mean, we're learning all these stories um, because they're talking. It just seems like before, many of these stars never really talked about this stuff. There is a great podcast with Dana Carvey and, um, 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 oh, what's his face uh, out of Phoenix? Um, blonde, uh, blonde guy, short blonde guy. Uh, Dana Carvey. Oh, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, uh, Chris Farley's buddy. Yeah, Chris Farley's friend. You're right. Yeah. It'll, it'll come to David me. Spade. David Spade. David Spade. David. There you go. David Spade. Uh, There's a great podcast with them, uh, the two of them, talking about some of the behind the scenes stuff, and they bring in all the other SNL people and that. And, yeah. And yeah. 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 You know, David Spade went to high school with my cousin, JR. Uh, no, I did not know that. You know, yeah, I. You know, I've been on the stage at Saturday Night Live. Oh my goodness! You know, Jay, that actually you should tell that story. Jr. Um, there's a great story Jr. tells, where he's having a conversation with his buddy David Spade, and Jr. says, "I'm going. You know, I'm going to go to college. I'm just going to go to college." And David Spade says, "You know what?" He says, "I I, I think I'm going to try this 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 comedy thing. I think I'm going to go to L.A. and I think I'm just going to going to try this stand up comedy thing and sort of see what happens." And it turns out it was David Spade. Yeah, yeah. I was doing um, I was doing some comedy in the Phoenix area back in the day, and when Spade was, you know, starting to just take off, and he was like the hot comic in Phoenix. You know, it was like he was the one that he was the one that got away. He was the one that went to L.A. and was starting to to make some noise, and all the other Phoenix comics were, you know, just sort of envious of him and uh, uh, jealous of you know his success while they were laboring away at uh, some, uh, you know, junky uh, comedy club. Uh, do we have to break? I want you to break. I want you to tell you that story about how you you somehow hijacked your way on the closing credits of Saturday Night Live. Ah, uh, yes, I will tell that story after this quick break on the Big 550. Hang with us in the podcast. There's really no commercial in there. Anyway, so yeah, Big 550 KTRS. Uh, back, back in a moment with LeBron Milhaven and Tom Becca. Just saying. We are back. This is a, actually I gave the, the name of the uh, the show. I gave it wrong as when going into that commercial break. It's Becca and Millhaven. Just saying. I gave you top. Oh, building. you had to have your name first. Yes, my name was. is first. Yeah, I gave you top building. Okay, so here's the deal. So you know, people that don't know, I spent I spent about five years of my misspent youth on the road as a stand-up comic, and I had worked with. Um, uh, Daryl Hammond, Daryl Hammond, who famously played Bill Clinton. Now he was, he may have, Daryl Hammond may have been the best impressionist Saturday Night Live ever had. I, I'll say that. He, uh, he, he could nail them all. He, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, I don't know. Dana Carvey was pretty good. Yeah, Dana Carvey was good too. But uh, yeah, anyway. Hartman was, was pretty good too. <laughs> what? Phil Hartman was pretty good too. And actually, that new guy they got now too. Uh, James Austin Johnson, or the guy's name, yeah. Trump is fantastic. Anyway, the the point is, is that you know, I I would not go so far as to say that you know that Daryl Hammond and I were friends, but we knew each other, and we'd had some experiences together on the road as a, when he was a doing as a road comic. So I'm doing talk radio in Kansas City, and Daryl Hammond is playing a comedy club there, and we get together, we talk, and all that, and I say, hey, look. I want to be in Kansas City next month. Can you get me tickets to the show? And he said, no, I can't get you tickets. He said, but you can hang out in my dressing room, which <laughs> is like, you know, oh, oh, yeah, I'd rather do that. So he tells me, he said, okay, you're on the guest list, but there's like three or four guest lists out there. So you may not be on the first one you ask. So just go and find the guest list you're on and they'll tell you where to go. So first person I go up to and I asked her if I'm on the guest list, and I see his clipboard, and the first name on the guest list is Ron Wood, the guitarist of the Rolling Stones. I'm guessing 
I'm not on this list. And I wasn't. But they go and they, they find the second list I am on. They just, and this is before 9-11. So like Rockefeller Center was, was pretty wide open. And so they just say, okay, yeah, elevator, take it to the eighth floor and go, boom. So I do. I open up, the, the elevator opens up and like, I just walk out of the floor like nothing. And it's just like you see, like you've seen on TV, you know, the halls are lined with the pictures and all that. I mean, it's just like you see on TV. So I'm walking around asking, yeah, where's Daryl Hammond's dressing room? And we, you know, they point me in the direction and all that. So anyway, so Daryl's in the opening credits, opening skit, and he's in like the third skit. So after that, he's done. But in between the opening credit, so that uh, and his next his next bit, he tells his makeup lady, and this is my friend Tom, take him on a tour around. I know this is a long story, but I'm going to get there. Take him on a tour around. So I'm walking around. I'm walking around with the um, uh, his his makeup artist, and she introduces me to uh, Don Pardo. Don Pardo's in the break room. Having some popcorn, drinking a soda, just you know, watching watching the monitors. He's just hanging out there, and she introduces me to Don Pardo. She goes, "Don, this is Daryl's friend Tom from Kansas City." And Don Pardo goes, "Kansas City is a nice town." You know, in that in that big Don Pardo voice, which I just wanted to start cracking up and saying, "Here's Don Pardo," but you know, I was keeping it inside, you know, because I was. Hey, you sound just like Don Pardo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just it was just so surreal. Here I am talking to Don Pardo, you know, and making small talk with him, you know. And anyway, so do that, do the tour around. Anyway, so Daryl's done with his uh, second bit, so he's done now for the show. So me and him, uh, a couple of the writers, I think his manager, all end up in the next studio, which was Rosie O'Donnell's studio at the time. And we're just hanging out, drinking a little wine, and I'm hearing, you know, the gossip behind the scenes gossip what's going on there at the set and everything. And it was it was just very cool. So make a long story just a tad bit longer. It's the end, the end of the night. Final credits where everybody gets on stage and says goodnight, right? Well, earlier, Daryl had tried to get me into the studio for the show, but it was the last show of the season, so it was packed. There was no room. They kicked us out. So when it's time now to get for the uh, the final credits, Daryl says to me, uh, let's try to sneak you in. I thought he said, let's try to sneak you on. So I follow him all the way to the stage. I'm on the stage in the back. I'm in the back. And um, yeah. I know. And then he looks around and sees me. He starts laughing going, what are you doing here? I thought maybe this was something they all did. They all, you know, they'd all like stick their friends on the stage from time to time, right? <laughs> they don't do that. Did anybody ask you, like, hey, who are you? Well, no, Daryl laughs. So then Daryl, he laughs and he introduces me to Will Farrell and Anna Gastire, who I'm standing right next to. And all I'm thinking is like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> so you can get on Peacock. Right. Well, hold on a second. Hold on got, so what did what did Will Farrell say to you? It was just, oh hi, you know, I, I, hi, I nice, I, nice to meet you. I there I Daryl's friend Tom, you know, just like it was like because I got this I got this look of panic on my face now, you know. It's like, oh my goodness. So it's on Peacock. Find the final show of the 2000 season. It is a show with um uh Christopher Walken as the host, 
and Weezer is the band. And at the end, the closing credits, you can see the top of my gray head. Oh yeah, Just I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to Peacock and pay fourteen ninety dollars, fourteen ninety nine a month to see your gray hair. Well, there's other stuff on there too. But uh, just but you can see me like sort of just sneaking off the stage, sneaking off the stage. I oh, by the way, I, I mentioned Weezer. I mentioned Weezer. I did spend some time in the green room with uh, uh, like all of Weezer's groupies, which was sort of interesting too. But yeah. So, wait, wasn't there an actress? Wasn't the the um, uh, actress from Heather's who was in there? It was um, from um, Stranger Things? Wasn't she in there? Oh, no! Well, this is the closing show of the season. So like everybody was there. I mean, there were all these stars that were that were that were there. And then I went to the I went to the closing party, the, the end of the uh, end of the season cast party. Which again was a situation of me just trying to act like I belong. But there's like maybe a thousand people there. Yeah, and, but weren't you like talking to um Winona Ryder? Yeah, Winona Ryder Winona Ryder was there. Um, um uh oh uh well, God, a lot, a lot of former cast members were there. Dana Carvey was there. Um, yeah, but hold on a second. You were at the post party, and you called me from the post party. Yeah. And you said, whispering to me, hey, I can't talk right now, but I'm standing next to Winona Ryder. And I was yeah. like, hang up the phone and talk to Winona Ryder. You can talk to me. Well, what did you say to her? You know? It's like, hi there. I know I'd never have a chance with a woman like you. You know I mean? What do you say to her? Well, that that's the conversation I have because – uh, you left your heart in San Francisco, um, uh, uh, singer. Um, who, Tony Bennett? Who, Tony Bennett. I sat next to Tony Bennett one night at dinner, and I got this huge flop sweat. And people are like, why did you have flop sweat? And I'm like, well, what are you supposed to ask Tony Bennett? What do you ask Tony Bennett? Hey, did you really leave your heart in San Francisco? I mean, what? what, what, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's never heard that. <laughs> How do you start up a conversation with Tony Bennett? I don't know what to do, so I didn't know what to say. So well, I just looked at him and I was like, "Oh, uh, can you pass the rolls?" He said, "Sure." He must have thought I was a jerk. I didn't know what to ask the guy. Well, okay, so uh, it's almost—it's it's almost like that Chris Farley um, routine with uh, Paul McCartney. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I know. I know. Um, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, so I've been able to—we both have talked to Bob Gibson and other major league baseball players. And I can talk to any politician. I can talk to any actor, any actress, whatever, right? Comedian. But if I'm talking to a major league baseball player, I don't know what to ask. Because I love the game. I admire what they can do. And at the same time, I don't want to sound like an idiot, you know, asking some stupid questions. So I do. I, I freeze up around major league baseball players. I don't care if I sound like an idiot talking to a politician. But if I'm talking to... Of course, Bob Gibson was intimidated. It's that it's that fine line, right? I mean, what do you ask, right? If you're if you're sitting down next to a ball player, you can sort of talk small talk. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. How's the game going? How's your arm feel? Right, right. How's the team going? Well, but with with you, you, you know, <laughs> if you sit down next to Sylvester Stallone, right, you're like, oh, I I can't ask him about Rocky. I can't ask him about you know. Be, because you don't want to seem like an idiot, but everyone asks him about Rocky. You heard about the time um, Ed Burns, you know, Ed, Ed Burns, the actor, right? Yeah. The, the brothers on McMullen. I told you this, this story where um, he was in the studio being interviewed by somebody else. And I made sure that when he was finished with the interview, 
he was walking out of the studio and I just happened to be walking by the studio door when he was walking out. So I was like, oh, hey, Ed Burns, Long Island, Long Island. How you doing? Good to see you. He goes, oh, where? And I said, oh, Manhasset. He says, oh, yeah, Chaminade. So we start talking high school. And who did you know? And who did I know? And what happened to this guy? And what happened to that guy? And oh, knew this. Oh, did, did you know? And so we're having a 15-minute conversation. And he's telling his 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 handlers, you know, back off, right? I'm I'm having a nice time talking to this to to this guy. And I mean, we're talking, you know, high school basketball and wait, did you know this guy and whatever happened to that guy? And so and so finally there's a there's a nice natural pause in the conversation. And then I start spewing lines from the brothers McMullen. Oh God. And that's when he left. And he's like, see ya, bye, and was gone in an instant. And I was like, wait, I thought we were buds. I thought we were hanging out. And it just bailed on me like no one's business. <laughs> I had dinner with uh, Gail Sayre. And uh, well, I have a dinner, and all these people are coming up to him. And they're talking to him about, you know, the games he played in. They're talking to him about Brian's song. They're talking about all this stuff, right? And at dinner, so I, then I go and I, I, I talk to him. I said, I said you know, you are so nice to these people and, you know, answering all of their questions. I said, but you've got to have been asked these questions a million times. And he said, yes, I have, but never by them. And I never forgot that. It was, it was a, such a, a cool thought. It's like, yeah, yeah, this guy gets asked uh, all these questions and it's got to get old after a while. You know, I mean, how many times can you talk about Brian Piccolo? You know, but <laughs> but at the same time, he was just so nice and genuine to these people, you know. Well, you know, so Gail Sayers uh, from Omaha. I've, we've met a lot of nice men uh, along the way. Gail Sayers was the most distinguished, gentlemanly celebrity I have ever met. He had an air about him that was just so very natural and nice and distinguished he was just so gentlemanly he was he just was, so he, he was, was definitely a class a class act yeah, all the way yeah, yeah i mean he wasn't you know you meet guys who are kind of you know one of the guys one of the buddies he was just so very dis distinguished he was just a very distinguished gentleman and i've always remembered that i was like man what a classy gentleman he was um i got i got a funny albert pujo story you want to hear this one Sure, yeah. And then I got a Bob Gibson story that we'll, we'll move on. Okay. Uh, so um, our brushes with greatness. So I'm watching the ball game one night, and Albert's up uh, playing for the Cardinals. And there's a pitch right down the middle, and it's it's strike three, right? And it's such strike three that Albert, like, flinches and starts to walk back to the dugout. Like, even he knew it was strike three, right? Yeah. And the the catcher, you know, starts to throw the ball down to third base, right? And the pitcher starts to walk around and the umpire doesn't call it a strike. So Albert sort of like plays it off. Like he really wasn't walking back to the dugout, you know, and he ties his shoe and he gets back in the box. Next pitch, he, he hits a home run, boom, home run, right? So the next day I'm at work and I walk into one of the, one of the restaurants around here. He had his restaurant out here at West, Westport. And I walk in. And he sees me walk in and he tells the you know waiter, hey, you know, bring a McGraw over to, to, to the table. I want to talk to him. So I've been friendly and done some charity events with Albert in the past. So I know him a little bit. And so uh, we sit down and we start talking and he's like, how's it going? What's it going? And I, 
I turn to him and I go, oh, hey, by the way, you totally struck out last night. He goes, oh, I totally struck out last night. <laughs> That's just kind of a funny little, funny little brush with greatness along the way. And my quick one with Bob Gibson, uh, Hall of Famer, uh, pitcher who uh, we lost. Yeah, we know who Bob Gibson is. Wow. You know what? That was a very Bob Gibson move. That ties into what the story is. So, I, I, you know, I'd have conversations with him in the past. And I, the best conversation I had with Bob Gibson is we were talking about, you know, like some of the best barbecue places, uh, you know, in uh, in the country. Yeah. You know, the, the, the pros and cons of Kansas City barbecue versus Memphis barbecue and stuff like that. Uh, he didn't want to talk baseball, right? Yeah. But anyway, so he's doing an autograph session at a at a local business. You know, come meet Bob Gibson, get your autograph, all that. And I show up with, I'm doing a remote there, and I show up with about like five baseballs. And I say, uh, you know, Mr. Gibson, uh, I promise you I'm not going to sell these on eBay or anything. I said, but oftentimes people ask me for uh, items for silent auction events, charity events, and I would give them one of these balls. And he looks at me and he just says, oftentimes isn't a word. (laughs) Now, he signed the balls. But you know, it was just like, and and I, I have actually, uh, and then he said it in such a way, that intimidating way that he was known for on the mound. He said it in such a way that I just like, uh, yes, sir. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't. I, I didn't know. I'm. I apologize. You know. I mean, it was just yeah. But that was it. I was like you know, oftentimes isn't a word. All right. There's our there's our brushes with our with, brush with greatness. Uh, we'll get to some other stuff to talk about. We'll find whatever else is. Uh, on our minds as we uh, continue on with this uh, edition of Becca and Millhaven, just saying, on the Big 550 KTRS. And here we are once again with uh, this uh, podcast uh, slash radio show. We're a hybrid. We're a hybrid. We You don't, you don't find a lot of this uh, anywhere else. No, you don't find this anywhere else. I know, so... We're trying to sell it. <laughs> trying to sell it. So, um, thank goodness. Yeah. So, so okay. So, what you know, the the the, the Trump indictment happened, and there's talk that the the Georgia one is right around the corner from coming down. Yes. How does this all end? Stay tuned for the stunning conclusion. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, what do you think? I mean, you know, it's like uh, I, I don't, I don't get. You know, we were talking about our brush with the greatness, and we all had some nice stories to tell about people that we've met. And I actually have met Donald Trump twice. I've interviewed him twice. Um, but you know, when you get, I, I, I don't get this hero worship that so many people have. That that to me has been the most fascinating thing is just how they are just so how so many people are just so um, invested. And the Donald Trump persona. Yeah, no, there's um, I, it's less than what it what it was. Um, I think a lot of people uh, like him, don't want to vote for him for a president. Will if he runs, but would like to have somebody else. Um, I don't know how it ends. I mean, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I think, like most legal scholars, I guess you have to believe them when they say that the Georgia thing is more damaging. And the documents case is even more damaging than that. So I I think ultimately, uh, you know, his 
he is doesn't win the nomination, but somehow is, you know, Mr. Defiant till the end. I, I mean, are they really going to lock him up? Which is so bizarre because he started off with them chanting lock her up and he's going to one be the one in handcuffs. It's all projection. It's all projection. I, I don't get, I don't, I mean, he could run for president while he's in jail. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, nobody knows how any of this ends. I mean, it's so <laughs> nutty. The whole thing is nuts. Yeah, you know what I mean? Here's even the weirdest part. Here's even the weirdest part. Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley's biggest competition is indicted. And that's when they stop criticizing him. I know, I know. They're running against him, and now they're praising him once he gets indicted. Uh, yeah, because it's all about it's all about owning the libs and criticizing the Democrats, right? Um, it's not about the uh, uh, the what call it the uh, integrity of uh, of the process, which which is fascinating. The uh, you know, but I just thought when you talk about he could run for president while in jail, while in prison, which would be hilarious. Considering how much the Republicans criticized Joe Biden for campaigning in his basement during COVID. <laughs> you know, just you can't make this stuff up. You, you I mean, just it's so insane. It's so bonkers. It's so nuts. I, I don't get anything. The other the other thing that is in the news, I mentioned this on the show today, and people sort of laughed at me. So, you know, these these people who are upset with some of these books that are in the library. Yeah. Right? That, oh, my goodness, my these children's lives are going to be ruined by some book in the library. How come they don't make it the same stink when it comes to social media? I mean, you take the most offensive thing in the library and I'll put it up against the least offensive thing on social media and I'll win every time. No kids are running to the library to read National Geographic books like we did when when we were 13 years old. What's online? I mean, Twitter is still the biggest purveyor of child pornography and no one cares. They only care about a book in the Dewey Decimal System in the ninth stack and the fifth column in a library. Well, first of all, is the Dewey Decimal System even still around? Oh, uh, and the decimal system is still very much. Yeah. If you would find that smut in the library, you would know these, these things. Well, that you know, but that's you know, look, that's the old tune. They know the old tunes, and I do think, I do think the conservatives, the 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 far right, and the Republicans that just are their enablers. I think they're way overplaying their hand. I mean, you take a look at what that Texas judge did by uh, saying that after twenty years of use, uh, he's decided that an abortion pill is unsafe. You know, unilaterally deciding that the FDA was wrong and that twenty years of use. Uh, it's it was not proven to be safe. I mean, you look at things like that. You look at how you look at how these these uh, Republicans are so concerned. They say their right to life, but will do nothing about school shootings or or what we saw. You know, they they say it's not a gun problem; it's a mental health problem. But they aren't allocating more money for mental health. You know, I, I mean, I, 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 I really think. Look, I am basically a right of center guy. But I find it harder and harder and harder to vote for Republicans based on their actions. Well, but but if you want to ban books, who's going to libraries today? Are a bunch of 12-year-olds that I know 
running to the libraries today or are they going to TikTok and well, to listen. Facebook and to Twitter and to Instagram? That's where the real damage is doing. And if you want to ban some things on TikTok, hey, I'm all for it. I'll lead the charge. But libraries, really? I mean, that's what you're so upset over? I mean, come on, man. That's not where the problem is. You know, uh, you mentioned TikTok. You know, that TikTok, that TikTok uh, uh, videos that were out there evidently showing people how to steal a Kia. Yeah. How to steal a car, right? Well, the story is out that, you know, yeah, these Kias are getting stolen. The story that's not being told is that because so many Kias are getting stolen, when your Kia is stolen now, they can't get the parts when when the car is recovered. So I, I have a friend whose assistant had her Kia stolen. They got it back, but she can't drive it because it was damaged and she can't get the parts because all these other Kias that have been stolen. Let's, let's spend all of our time banning some obscure book in the library. No one even knew it was there. Yeah, because because some some housewife didn't want it for her kid. Decides that uh, it's not right for any kid. So I, I I've been having this uh, argument with my eighth grade social studies teacher on Facebook. He's a big uh, he's a big Second Amendment guy. To which um, I said to him. Um, I said, well, look, I said, I said, let's just, you know, legalize shoulder fired missiles and, you know, nuclear weapons. And he was like, no, firearms, firearms, just firearms. I was like, well, no. What are you talking about firearms? I said, in the 1870s to bear arms, right, you had the right to keep and bear arms. They meant muskets. They didn't mean firearms. You're just deciding that firearms are what it means today. I said, what, why can't I have a shoulder fired missile? <laughs> I was like, I was like, why do you want to infringe on my second amendment rights? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a very, that's a very valid point here in Nebraska, here in Nebraska, we, uh, they, they want, uh, some Senator wants to, and it looks like he might have some momentum to get this done. Wants to get rid of any regulations as it pertains to concealed carry. Right. He, he believes that you shouldn't have to be forced to take a class shouldn't be forced to, to get a, a license to conceal carry. So he's calling it constitutional carry, right? They're trying to pass this constitutional carry. Missing the entire irony that the first part of the Second Amendment says a well-regulated militia. So constitutionally, you would want these regulations, but they don't want these regulations. They just want everybody to be back in heat. You cut out for a second there. Wait, so so they call it a constitutional carry, and then and then what? Well, because the Constitution says, uh, you know, a well-regulated militia, right? And if you're not regulating the militia by taking away all these regulations, you're not really doing a constitutional law here. Because you're right. I mean, what the Second Amendment was, excuse me, what the Second Amendment was when our founding fathers passed it, and and how. And how these weapons were being used back then uh, is completely different than the situation we find ourselves in today. What happened in Louisville? By the way, God bless, God bless those uh, officers in Louisville, those cops who went charging in there. The poor guy was on the job for two weeks. I mean, it, God bless them. They are, uh, as opposed to what they did in Uvalde, those uh, those officers. Um, 
the lives they saved. Oh man! It, well, just... but, but I mean, why aren't why aren't shoulder fired missiles allowed to be purchased at Walmart? Well, I don't know. You know, when I drive my tank to the store, they well, won't yeah. sell me one. I didn't know you were such a liberal trying to infringe on my Second Amendment rights. Well, that's just it. Yeah, I, I, I know. And there used to be a time. There used to be a time when uh, you could have rational conversation about this sort of thing, you know. And it was like, oh, okay, look, uh, we have too many guns. What do we do? How do we? How do we? Well, does, does a does a well-regulated militia mean mean an unregulated militia or a overly regulated militia? What does that mean? What does a well-regulated militia mean? Well, that's up for the justices on the Supreme Court to decide, uh-huh. and and. The right now, the way the court is stacked up, I would think that maybe your argument about getting, uh, uh, you know, uh, surface air rockets, uh, might right. be I don't know, yeah. And then people are like, Oh, you're an idiot. It's like, Well, explain it to me. I'm not an idiot, explain it to me. I mean, I am an idiot, but ex- explain it to me anyway. Well, that again, that goes back to you know, these uh, these politicians that are playing doctor, you know, doctors are telling these politicians that you know. Abortion may not be, uh, you know, may, abortion may be a necessary evil for so many people, okay? And the politicians aren't listening to them. You know, I mean, it's like these these politicians want to play doctor. They they want to, uh, you know, the, unilaterally just have everybody do things their way. We, we need to all, you know, live and let live. Don't you think? I mean. Oh, you want, uh, you don't want government infringing on your personal freedoms. Unless, of course, you're gay or transgender or want to read yeah. a book. Or... Yeah. 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 It's uh, which is sort of interesting. We have the Democrats here because there's, there's a transgender bill, like most states, a transgender bill in our uh, unicameral legislature. And the Democrats are fighting it, saying that it's, you know, the family's decision, personal choice. And the Republicans are pushing it, saying it's a big government solution to uh do a problem that really is non-existent the world the world's upside down yeah it is the world's gone crazy hey, I think thank, god you, thank god you and i are around to at least try to bring some sense to this crazy world the, thank goodness you know we are almost solved the world's problems and we just ran out of time uh this is fun though i, I always good talking to you my friend um be well and uh, we will do this again next week as i said earlier at the beginning uh, if you like these podcasts uh, subscribe, like, follow, all that good stuff. If you're listening on the Big 550 KTRS and you just got to the tail end of this uh, podcast, you can find us online wherever you get your podcast. iHeart, uh, Spotify, we're on uh, iTunes, yeah, pretty much anywhere you get your podcast, we are there. So until next time. Thank you for your time. Yeah, that's what, yeah. I, 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 was, I was feeding you the line. Take oh. Take, take two. So until next time. We're out of time. Thank you for your time. McGraw-Millhaven. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was so much better. We need to rehearse more. A Huda Media Production.